When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, yes! Welcome to Manchester United. Anthony Martial. Wonderful run from Into Sheringham and Solskjaer has won it! Manchester United have reached the promised land. Rashford has got the dream goal! Hello and welcome to Series 1, Episode 15 of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. Find us on Twitter at UTD Weekly Pod. I'm Harry Robinson and as always I'm joined by Jack Tate to discuss Marcus Rashford becoming the hero again at West Ham in the Cup. And as poor a win as possible, he has relegated Aston Villa. Also, we preview the next round of the Cup in the semi-final at Wembley. But before that, the midweek match against Crystal Palace. Towards Memphis, bouncing around Mata to cut it back again. And Rashford has got the dream goal that he was looking for in his debut. And one he will never, ever forget. Written in the stars. Jack, we'll start off with West Ham. Perhaps the most exciting game that we've had this week after that dull win I guess you could call it against Aston Villa I'd say it was a great night to be honest I actually really enjoyed watching the game as well which isn't something I've been able to say that, that often this season watching United um, I thought I thought we actually played pretty well yeah the whole team seemed to work quite well credit to Van Hal for his team selection as well because it, it actually it paid off really really well um, you know, West Ham weren't at their best but I thought we controlled them quite well we dealt with the threat of Andy Carroll obviously on a high after his hat-trick last weekend Um no, I thought it was a good game. We controlled the game well and we looked dangerous, which is something that we haven't done for the majority of this season. Yeah, um, you have to say that it's it's quite stark that while we were celebrating a win against West Ham in the FA Cup quarterfinal replay, having drawn at home, Liverpool were in the semi-final of the Europa League and City in the semi-final of the Champions League. So, 
obviously there's that precursor to it, but it doesn't take away from what I thought was a great night because last FA Cup tie at uh, the Berlin ground, the opposite part, whatever you want to call it, and I have to say that Olympic Stadium deal that has finally come out into the public made me extremely angry. But final cup tie at <laughs> yeah. Upton Park, and it was a night to remember properly to give it its good farewell. And of course, Rashford again just just keeps on going in these incredible moments. You think about it now: debut two goals against Midland. It's not just his debut; he scored two goals. He got us into that tie again. And got us through to Liverpool. All right, we didn't get through then, but he got us against Mid Island. It would have been embarrassing if we'd gone out there. Two goals to derail Arsenal's title challenge. All right, we should be challenging for the title, but it's still good. It's important. Yeah. Plus the Derby goal, plus West Ham at Upton Park. I mean, apart from the Villa goal that he's just scored, we'll move on to that in a second. They're, they're such key, vital goals, not just sort of unimportant goals that we're celebrating because he's an academy graduate. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it's really quite staggering to me how quickly he's settled in and like, and like I say, how, how much he formed in the most important games. It's, you know, because of the state of our season right now, I guess we, we don't have games maybe as big as, as we would have hoped at this stage of the season. But by the same token, every game that we've played that has had kind of added importance, he performed brilliantly. And like you said, the game against Midtjylland, okay. Midtjylland might not be an amazing team, um, but we we needed to put out a good performance against them, and, and he did that. The same thing against Arsenal. It's always a big game against Arsenal, no matter what the circumstances are around it. Same with the derby, and then against West Ham, when we needed we needed that performance to go through to the semi-final. So, I mean, I, I've been staggered, honestly, because, you know, I've, I watched him a few times in the under-21s, and he looked a, he looked a, a good talent, but he didn't look he didn't look like someone who was guaranteed to take the first team by storm if he got a chance. But, I mean, the way he's come in and, and he's just performed magnificently the whole time. And I, I'm so, so impressed with him. Yeah, and the hold-up play, I think we've mentioned this ever since he's broken through, but the hold-up play at Alton Park for that Lingard chance that, as always with Lingard, his movement and uh, his spatial awareness is incredible, but it's his finishing that lets him down. And... Rashford's footwork for that Lingard chance. I think he dribbled through three West Ham defenders to provide. And the referee had to get out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's that kind of get off your seat stuff that has endeared him to the United support so much, not just the goals. And obviously, Derby, Arsenal, <laughs> and getting us through a European competition has helped as well. Let's move back in the team, uh, right back to David De Gea. Uh, he's perhaps the only other contender for man of the match those two a striker and our goalkeeper what a last 10 minutes they had um, my heart was in when and truly in my mouth in that last 10 minutes yeah um, I, know, I haven't sort of, I don't think I've had that feeling for a long time that sort of sick feeling as, as you get into true squeaky bum time yeah and it, it was just strange because it really came out of nothing West Ham hadn't looked too threatening the whole game um, didn't look like sort of they were up to much going forward and then just suddenly out of nowhere our team just it took me back to Diego Costa's um, last-minute goal winner uh, for Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. Like we just, it looked inevitable that West Ham were going to score, but yet again we were indebted to our goalkeeper. Um, and what what a player he is! <laughs> yeah, Van Hal got quite angry at um, James Ducker uh, for asking about uh, De Gea's future, and even asked for an apology for saying he came close to leaving, which is incredible because everyone really knows that he did come close to leaving. It was just a fax machine. I would think that. De Gea would go if we didn't get Champions League football but A, I don't know if Real Madrid want him that desperately because they've got Keylor Navas a great keeper and they, the fans are quite happy with Keylor Navas honestly and De Gea looks pretty content doesn't he? 
I mean, yeah. obviously, like, you can't really tell from a celebration of a goal. Obviously, he's going to celebrate winning, but he just seems to be connecting with the fans more. He went over to the fans the other day and started clapping and applauding them, and I think that was... Obviously, I don't really know anything, but as, from what I can see on the pitch, at least, it doesn't seem like he's desperate to leave or anything. No, I'd agree. Like, I think if he was really desperate to leave, he would. I think he would seem quite disconnected from the players and the fans, and it, it doesn't seem to be anything like that. I think he seems as though he's enjoying his football as much, as much as he has at any point during his United career. Honestly, I mean, it'd be interesting to see what will happen this summer because, like you said, logic kind of tells you that if we don't get the Champions League, he is likely to want to leave again. But I don't know. You think about where we were at this stage last season when we were getting Champions League, all the rumours and everything about it, they were so much stronger than they are now. So I'm not sure. And let's move on to uh, his defence in front of him. Fosu Mensah, Blind had brilliant games. Fellaini, Lingard, I I thought both had brilliant games. Let's talk about Fosu Mensah. We said this last week. We said it the week before. What a talent this boy is, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. He just keeps surprising you all the time because every time he gets given a new challenge, he he just steps up to the plate all the time. And against West Ham, you know, their attacking lineup this season, especially in the last few weeks, has, has been absolutely rampant. Um, he dealt with that kind of Payet, Lanzini, Creswell sort of triangle brilliantly. Payet swapped wings to challenge Fosu Mensah. And, and after he swapped wings, he was kept pretty quiet. Fosu Mensah yeah. did stupidly give away a free kick, but apart from that one incident, he wasn't quite as good as Dayan Rashford, but what a performance. And I saw um, someone who follows the youth quite closely, Doran Salomon, I think, um, asked why he can't be tried in midfield. Because he'd be a great ball-playing centre-back, but as a defensive midfielder, he's got the physicality already in his 18. He's clearly got the composure. Yeah, if we don't have a centre-back, fine, you can shift him in there. But he, I think he has the quality and the attributes. He, he's good enough as a, as a player of the ball to be tried in midfield. Yeah, he, he does seem to have the, the attributes, doesn't he? I mean, you can see from the, the way that he reads the game as well, that he really is really, really comfortable in kind of stepping into midfield, making some good interceptions wherever he can as well. Um, and quite a lot of the time, he, he ended up stepping into midfield against West Ham anyway, through, you know, if he was pressing his um, the opposition quite high up the pitch, and then he, he'd nip him, win the ball, and he'd end up starting a counter-attack anyway, and he'd end up playing as, as kind of like a central midfielder. No, I, I think it could definitely be something to be looked at. I mean, you'd have to wonder, ask why you'd move him from where he's been so successful right now, but I think it does look like somewhere that he may be able to, to play quite well. More interceptions than anyone, but Antonio, more clearances than anyone. Uh, we're talking about that pass in 78 pass that you see so many tackles so many aerial duels won when he came against quite a physical side with Andy Carroll o- onto that physical side of things I thought Fellaini dealt quite well with it apart from the the goal that allowed, when he allowed Tompkins to bravely head into a Fellaini flying boot and uh, <laughs> score apart from that I thought he really did help in the physical battle and a lot of people were angry when they saw the team selection but at the time I thought well yeah I don't like seeing Fellaini in the United lineup, but perhaps this is one of those games where you just have to play your big man with the afro. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, credit where credit's due, he actually had a great game, I thought. Well, certainly one of his best in a United shirt, I think. And funny enough, obviously, I, I assume the main reason that he was in the team was because of the threat from Andy Carroll to try and deal with that aerial threat, but... Even going forward on the ball, he was a lot more composed than he normally is. Uh, he didn't give the ball away too much. He was actually quite a good um, kind of transition from from kind of defence to attack quite a lot of time. There's a few storming runs that he made. One for um, 
There's one where he probably should have slowed it left to Martial instead he passed it to Rashford and his shot got mm. deflected wide. And there was a couple of other times where we picked the ball up on the half turn and he'd make the sort of kind of surging runs from, from midfield into attack that we're used to seeing from Wayne Rooney, let alone Mara and Fellaini. <laughs> a bit of praise for Daley Blint, who uh, we're talking about a ball-playing defender with Fosu Mensa. Daley Blint, exceptional against West Ham, really exceptional. He created two chances for the goals in, in the build-up to them. And Michael Carrick, I questioned uh, for MUFC latest uh, in an article whether he should be given a new contract. I said, probably not. And, it, and if he is, then it has to be only one year. But to be fair to him, he controlled the game. And it's the rarity of those performances, which is worrying. But when they do come, they're, they're really excellent and character's good. Anna Herrera and Marcus Rojo are probably the only sort of negative yeah. points on the game. They're two sort of strange cases at the moment. I think, I mean, I've never been convinced by Rojo. I think, like quite a lot of United fans, it's it's getting to the point now where we've seen no improvement from him almost consistently throughout his whole time at United. Um, and so you begin to then question whether he's really worthy of staying. Herrera frustrates me a lot because we've seen some performances from him in the last like couple of seasons where. You know that he does have a lot of quality, and, but just for whatever reason, this season, he really has been woeful for the, for the vast majority of it. And I, and I hate to be, I hate to be just so bluntly critical about it, but I mean, it really has been, it's been shocking at times. Um, and I mean, he, like, that, it wasn't his worst game in the season against West Ham, but it just, it just doesn't seem to be, for whatever reason, he just doesn't seem capable of reaching those heights that we have seen. Yeah, because we, we had those incredibly good performances where everyone thought this guy can properly control our midfield for the next few years. And I think that's still playing on people's minds when they don't see him in the starting lineup. But for all of Van Gaal's ridiculous starting 11s, where he's put Fellaini in, in the most ridiculous of circumstances, and the Herrera at the moment doesn't really deserve a, a chance. And when he has been given those chances, very rare though they are, so it is hard for him to take them by the scruff of the neck when they come so rarely but when he has been given them he hasn't impressed hugely yeah absolutely so I tweeted um, on the night of the West Ham I think at half time that you know I, I like Herrera but he has just been so poor this season a lot of people reply with that sort of argument saying oh but he hasn't been given a lot of chances this season and while that, that might be true he's been given enough so that if he'd have been performing well he would have given Van Gaal no choice but to play him and at no point has he ever really grasped the opportunity so it's you have to look at it both ways Right, let's move on to a less than scintillating game at Old Trafford this time. Um, perhaps a one win over Villa. Perhaps it sort of served proof to the fact that we're not what we used to be, are we? I mean, under Ferguson, this is a kind of, this Villa side is the kind of side that would be absolutely trashed 5 or 6 nil. <laughs> it wasn't even that comfortable. I mean, Gestead hit uh, the post <laughs> just after coming on. Kieran Clark there to save from him. Quite a good save, that actually. And perhaps this season, I've probably most well defined in the fact that we scored twice against the worst side in Premier League history in two games. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's quite ridiculous, isn't it? Like you said, it it kind of summed up the, exactly the difference between the United of four or five years ago and the United of now. It was a really strange game. I think you summed it up really well in that it just shows the difference between United of four or five years ago and United of now. It was just such a forgettable game. I mean, the minutes seemed to go past and without anything meaningful happening at all. Um, it was almost so comfortable with the players that like they didn't really care. They were just going through the motions a little bit. Yeah, I and saw was... someone um, 
describe it as being like a pre-season game. It really was. I mean, you thought, is this actually a Premier League game? Like it was not not that it was like terrible, terrible quality. It was just so laboured and so laid back, almost to the point where it looked like you said as though it just it was a game that didn't really count. They were just there, but just because they had to be. I can't imagine watching that as an Aston Villa fan. I mean, what they've put their fans through this season and fair play to them they were a good voice at Old Trafford they had some great songs at the start <laughs> the, the worst thing for me as well was in Charlie and Nescott's comments after the game where he said oh it's a good thing now that our relegation's been confirmed at least the pressure's off it's just um, in terms of our players no one stood out badly or well I mean even Rashford I was doing player racing and even Rashford didn't get above a seven mm. he scored but overall no one was good notable mentions Wayne Rooney Back from injury into the start in 11, played for the under 21 for about 60 minutes and then came on for roughly one minute. I think he touched the ball once uh, up some park <laughs> and a great first half to come back. Looked really sharp. Yeah. Some great diagonal balls for Valencia who had loads of space on the right flank who also was very impressive. And Antonio Valencia now has more Premier League assists <laughs> than Cristiano Ronaldo and Paul Scholes. <laughs> I know, it's quite like, ridiculous, isn't it? It's a good record. Um, I like that actually. He keeps working hard while he doesn't get noticed and he keeps working hard and I like him. He's one of those players. We talked about it last week in the last episode, didn't we? That he's the kind of player, he knows his role, but he keeps working hard and he'll always do a job for the team whenever he's needed. Um, I thought he was pretty good. And just to pick up on, on the Rooney point as well, I think, again, I just want to give a little bit of credit to Van Hull because I think at times when this policy of you must play for the under-21s if you had like an injury over a certain length of time, we've all been like, what on earth is he going on about? Um, but I think it actually has helped really because we've seen in the past when he's come back from any sort of injury over sort of like a month long, he's come back and it's taken him four or five games to really get up to speed. And he's, yeah, looked... he's often looked really sluggish, but coming back into the under-21 yeah. game, in that game he looked fine. He was slightly off the pace, but he, he looked okay. So clearly... He's trained well to get back to this. Plus, I think that under-21 game really helped, as you said. Memphis Depay, first half, he was pretty terrible, wasn't he? But second half, I, I don't know what happened. But the first 10 minutes, he was absolutely ruining the Aston Villa players. He went through <laughs> three players just by shimmying. And then an outside-of-the-boot curling cross, which no one got onto. Memphis Depay is a, is a weird one for me because I look at him and whenever I watch him play, I always feel that he's trying a bit too hard to impress which I guess comes from the fact that obviously he hasn't gone so well from so far he's trying to impress as much as he can but when he seems to relax and just play his normal game we we can see how much talent he has and we can see from some of the things that he tries to do the things that most players wouldn't even think of trying and he does have that ability to do it it's just a case of getting a bit more confidence yeah it's good to see him getting started because his confidence must have dropped so much he had that brilliant spell against Midtjylland and Arsenal where <laughs> That's probably the best performance against Midtjylland. Yeah, of course it's Midtjylland, but in terms of entertainment from one player at yeah. United, that's one of the best performances I've seen since Cristiano Ronaldo, simply for getting you off your seat and being <laughs> incredibly excited any time anyone touched the ball. Rashford, I said, wasn't that impressive, but a, a really good finish. It might not look like it, but to get that past a defender and a goalkeeper when it's coming at that speed is really good. And he's now scored four Premier League goals from five shots. It's been goal, 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 saved goal. Um, pretty clinical that I saw someone say that it's either fluky or he's got uh, double the finishing of Lionel Messi at his peak so uh, <laughs> make of that what you will unless I miss the second one um, anything else about the Aston Villa game it really there isn't much to talk about is there I thought 
Daily Blind had some good passing and a vital block at the end from uh, Gustet, who came on and changed yeah. the game, but couldn't score past a, a, a very good De Gea again. It was just one of those games that you'll look back about the end of the season and think, did I miss that game? I don't remember anything about it. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was three points. It wasn't a good performance. We move on, basically. And it'd be sad to see Aston Villa go because that's basically been a guaranteed six points every season, hasn't it? <laughs> I think we haven't lost, we've lost once in about 20 games or something. So yeah. Sad to see them go and our six points go each season. One of the ever presents as well. There's only, what is it, six left now? Yeah. United, Arsenal, Chelsea, Tottenham. Liverpool, yeah. Does it again? An instant response to a loose ball. He hits. He doesn't miss. In injury news this week, Bastian Schweinsteiger could be out for the season, according to Van Gaal, while the Dutchman said Luke Shaw is making good progress. Diego Forlan thinks that Mauricio Pochettino could be tempted by the Manchester United job, even with the excellent setup he has at Tottenham Hotspur. In transfer news, the Telegraph report that Chelsea and United are both interested in Paris Saint-Germain defender Marquinhos. Louis Van Gaal has assured fans that no one will be sold because of a possible lack of Champions League football. One player could leave his vice-captain Michael Carrick. His contract runs out in June. The Guardian suggests that Everton are interested in him. Sky Sports reported that Zlatan Ibrahimovic is interested in a Manchester United move if Van Gaal leaves this summer. We've mentioned David Ayer's quality in both match reviews. Timothy Fosu-Mensah says he can be considered as one of the world's best. Dutch under-19 international Fosu-Mensah could play for Ghana instead of the Netherlands, his agent confirming they have been approached by the Ghanaian national team where his parents come from. Anthony Martial says he's working in the gym but doesn't want to lose his agility by bulking up too much. Another youngster, Marcus Rashford, will not be considered for England according to the Times, with Roy Hodgson sensibly content with his lineup at the moment. Defender Phil Jones returned for the under-21 side against Middlesbrough last week and says he knows the United players have a duty to play attractive football. He also says he's focusing on maintaining his fitness now rather than looking back at previous issues. Arsenal struggling to keep pace with him. Oh, goodness me. Unbelievable. A double-double for Marcus Rashford. With his head this time. He just can't write strips like this. In youth news this week, the under-21s beat Middlesbrough last week 1-0 thanks to Paddy McNair's second-half goal just after we recorded the last episode. Wayne Rooney and Phil Jones were playing in that game, as we've mentioned before. Now, there's just two points off the league title this under-21 side with three games to go. And they play Tottenham Hotspur at White Hart Lane on Tuesday. So if you're around there, I think it's about £5 or £1 for concessions to get in and watch our under-21 side. The under-18s didn't play this week, but are four points off top place Swansea in Group 3 of the under-18 Premier League playoff places. With two games left, they can still finish top of the group it's very tight up there with five slides still within a chance of winning Group 3. The under-16s played Rotherham, Adi Barlow scored both in a 2-1 win. In youth news, Oliver Byrne has signed professional terms with Cardiff City after not being offered a contract to United. Congratulations and best of luck to him and to George Dorrington and Oliver Rathbone who have been released. Nishan Burkar is set to join the academy as we reported a few weeks ago thanks to the ever-reliable at JB underscore 8521. Follow him on Twitter. His father and the club confirmed the signing of the Swiss under-16 striker from FC Zurich. He'll join at the end of the season and could play in the academy next year. Warren Joyce said he thinks this crop of youngsters who have broken through, like Fosu Mensah, Rashford, Cameron Borthwick-Jackson and Guillermo Varela, could be considered a class of 16 in a few years. While Nicky Butt is excited about the prospect of new signing for the young sides, Matthew Olesund. And Jack, how have our loan players been doing this week? 
not not too great, I must admit. Um, Kieran O'Hara at Morecambe played the full 90 minutes. Uh, they drew 2-2. Similarly, the other goalkeeper out on loan, Dean Henderson, he also played the full 90 minutes as Stockport drew 2-2 with Corby, I believe. Um, Tyler Blackett, Celtic, uh, haven't played as we're recording this. Obviously, the old firm derby today, but don't expect him in the squad. Um, James Wilson actually played 83 minutes for Brighton. They won 5 0. Didn't manage to get on the score sheet. Um, it was a really, really comfortable game for Brighton, though. His strike partner and actually scored a hat trick. Ashley Fletcher, surprisingly, didn't start Barnsley this weekend. He came on and played 12 minutes. Didn't manage to get on the score sheet. Barnsley drew 0 0. Uh, and Nick Powell, see, is still out. Rashford, he's in here. He scores! Marcus Rashford takes yet another step up the ladder. And this midweek, we've got a game against Crystal Palace. Just a prediction on this, not going to spend too long on it. Palace, got Wilfred Zaha, former player. First half of the season, very exciting to watch, looking very good for them. And talk of a top half of the table finish. And suddenly, after January the 1st, <laughs> it's become terrible. And a few weekends ago, they got their first win of the year in the Premier League. Just a prediction for this. I'm going to go 2-0, United. Yeah, that, that sounds about right. I might say 1-0. But uh, we can be sure that it'll probably be nil-nil at half-time, can't we? <laughs> Here's Rashford, found by Martial. Rashford, lovely feet, brilliant goal! Oh, that is a wonderful goal from a quite superb emerging Manchester United talent. Marcus Rashford, brilliantly done. West Ham nil, Manchester United won. And after that, we've got a much bigger game than that. Everton in the FA Cup and the semi-final at Wembley. It's been too long without the FA Cup, hasn't it? And it, it, I, I don't want to get too hopeful because hope is a is a very annoying thing in football. But Everton, a very leaky defence, as we've seen, we scored four times against them this season, uh, and for us, that that is a lot of goals. Yeah. Prediction for this? Oh God, I think it's going to be tough, but I've got to be optimistic again. I'm going to go two one. Well, last time you were optimistic, I said we'd lose two two on penalties. The West Ham, and you said 2-1 after extra time, albeit, but still, you got it right, so optimism pays off. <laughs> it's hard, because obviously Everton will be going for a lot more, because when we, we beat them 1-0 at Old Trafford a few weeks ago for Bobby Charlton's big day, and Blind dealt with Lukaku superbly. I think they weren't going for a draw, but I think they would have been content with a draw, whereas obviously at Wembley in the FA Cup semi-final, you can't get away with a draw. We've seen quite a few times this season that Everton, although they they are great going forward sometimes, when they do play that kind of quite expansive style, especially at home, they come unstuck because defensively they aren't, they aren't brilliant. So I think that, that could end up being good for us, especially with the pace that we now have on the counter-attack. I think I wouldn't be surprised to see Fellaini starting again as well to try and deal with the threat of Lukaku, although, as you said, Blind did deal with him quite well last time. But I think I think that might be something that Hull tries to employ in the game. But no, I'm actually really looking forward to the semi-finals. It's been, like you said, it's been too long since we've won the FA Cup. Was it now 12 years? Yeah, we haven't yeah, been in the semi-final for that quite a while either. Was it City 2011? Yeah, we've lost our last two, haven't we? Because didn't Everton beat us in the semi-final as well? On, yeah, with uh, Phil on... Neville. Yeah, I think that was 2009, I think, and Fellaini was playing in that game, actually. Yeah. Uh, so... There's a key for you. Um, yeah, so we lost to Everton and City, I think, a few years ago. Yeah, we did lose. Everyone says the FA Cup's obviously magic. Maybe it has a bit, but even for me, like we're both quite young. Like We didn't live through the Ron Atkinson years of getting to plenty of FA Cup semi-finals. But even for me, I, I find it just so exciting, the fact that it's a cup and it, there's such a prestige about it. So 
to win it because I, I I don't remember 2004. I very slightly remember us losing to Arsenal, so probably not. I don't really remember 2004, so for us to win it would well, be brilliant, and even, even to yeah. be in the final would be great, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I was lucky. I was lucky enough to be at the 07 final, the first one at the New Wembley, when we lost to Chelsea. Um, but like, even even though we lost, like at the start and during the game, it was by far the best kind of atmosphere that I've ever experienced. More more so than any of like the big sort of print. Like I've been to a Manchester derby, and I, I still thought that the uh, the atmosphere at Wembley that day tops it. I think it's just because it's so down to that one single game that the the cup, the FA Cup, will always kind of retain some of its beauty in that in that respect. Yeah, because in Spain you have the the two legged Copa del Rey. Uh, I think yeah. you have a two legged final, at least a yeah, two legged yeah. semi final. And I think they thought of, some people suggested a two-legged thing for the FA Cup, but it's so magic the fact that you you have to attack. There's such high-scoring games, and it's just so much more exciting to watch. And yeah, it's great, uh, the, the initial rounds with the smaller teams, but even when you get to the semi-finals, finals with the bigger teams, although not really that big this year, it's just there's something about FA Cup days where you imagine these perfect days at the start of the season where it's sunny, you're walking down Wembley Way and you're about to win the FA Cup. <laughs> I think we'll win 3-2. Uh, Marwan Fellaini to score against his former club. Yeah. Have we got any questions this week? We have just the one from... Colin at Rojonaldo, who's asked us so many questions. It's great. Thank you for that, Colin. So, Colin asks, what do you think will happen with Giggs if Mourinho comes in next season? It's tough. We briefly mentioned this, um, but we haven't properly discussed it. You'd assume he'd go, but education from Jose Mourinho, when you've also had it from Sadek Ferguson and Louis van Gaal and David Moyes, that kind of provides you with such a balanced education to then become... Manchester United manager or whether he ends up in a managerial capacity it, it, being educated by the defensive or more defensive minded Mourinho um, and his sort of reputation having been educated by Ferguson and David Moyes who let's not forget is a is a, a truly good manager it just didn't work for him at United and uh, Gig says he's learned from some of his methods and obviously learned from his mistakes as well and Louis van Gaal a, a very different manager as well so you've got four quite similar in some senses but also very contrasting in other ways and I think that would really help him if he stayed but can you see him staying mm, I'm not sure I don't think he'd like the fact that his club are appointed in Jose Mourinho uh, as mm. a fan uh, more than anything else and I think he might be getting tired of not being given the opportunity because you look at Alex Neal 34 I think Eddie Howe 38 yeah. I mean Giggs isn't too young or anything. I think he's 42 now. So Brendan Rodgers started getting into it when he was about 40. It really is time to start yeah. a managerial job. And another three years waiting as assistant manager, I mean, it might be fun, but if your end goal is to be a manager, you really want to be starting now. Yeah, the only way that I can see him staying is if it will be directed from the club, I think, because I don't see why Mourinho would particularly want to keep him. You know, Mourinho will have his own coaches, his own staff that he would want to bring in. But in a, by a similar token, like I said, why would Giggs really want to stay when he's obviously not been given the opportunity and he's he's been snubbed? I think the only way that I could see it is if he had some sort of guarantee from the club that when Mourinho inevitably leaves after three seasons, that Giggs will definitely become the next manager. Because, like you said, if he does have 
real aspirations in terms of becoming a Premier League manager. Now is the time that it, it, he needs to start. Um, the, the age of managers is, I mean, you look at Pep Guardiola, he's not, he, what is he, in his, his mid fifties? Or he might be younger than that. Um, and he's like, <laughs> almost achieved world domination twice over at both of his clubs so far. So, yeah, I think it'd be tough to see Giggs staying unless there is some sort of guarantee from the club that he will become the next manager. Well, yeah, you look around now, Luis Enrique, Guardiola, Zidane, Gary Neville just had a, a try at it, not too successfully, but Guardiola's 45, so I think he must be three years older than Ryan Giggs. So, I mean, Giggs looking on at that, uh, with everyone calling in the, the Manchester United Guardiola, I mean, he really needs to get started now. So I think he, it, it would be good for him to stay and learn from Mourinho, uh, to learn his mistakes and his, and, and good parts. But at a different level, he needs to get a managerial job soon. So it might be in two seasons after Mourinho or three, but really it needs to be in the next two or three seasons. And that's all we have time for today. Thank you very much for listening to Series 1, Episode 15 of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. I'm Harry Robinson, and as always, with me was Jack Tate. Jack, where can we find you on Twitter? At United Tate, T-A-I-T. And you can find me on Twitter, at Harry Robinson 64 and the podcast itself, at UTD Weekly Pod, P-O-D. Thank you very much for listening, uh, and thank you very much for staying with us. 15 episodes, another little milestone, I guess. Uh, being a bit desperate, but... Uh, <laughs> Enjoy the coming week with the FA Cup semi-final. It's still special. Goodbye. Sports Social Podcast Network.